When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, you have to love what you do in life. Life is too short to be unhappy. And we love what we do. This is Clinical Pearls. The human vaginal ecosystem is highly dynamic. The vaginal microbiome can affect host physiology and host physiology can affect the vaginal microbiome. Back in 1965, Gray and Barnes described the condition called desquamative inflammatory vaginitis. However, even today, there's been a lack of diagnostic criteria for this condition and it has not been universally accepted by practicing physicians. However, new data has called this condition of desquamative inflammatory vaginitis into the spotlight, especially in cases of failed suspected bacterial vaginosis. In this podcast, we're going to review the condition known as desquamative inflammatory vaginitis. Vaginal symptoms are remarkably common. In the United States, vaginal infections are among the 25 most common medical reasons for which women consult a physician. This results in 5 million to 10 million office visits per year. Vaginal infections affect a woman's quality of life by affecting frustration, anxiety, sexual dysfunction, and vulvovaginal discomfort. An abnormal vaginal microbiome, also called vaginal dysbiosis, has been linked also to adverse pregnancy outcomes, pelvic inflammatory disease, and an increased risk of sexually transmitted infections. It has also been linked to reproductive health problems, even poor outcomes of in vitro fertilization. Natural fluctuations in the vaginal microbiome occur during the reproductive cycle and throughout a woman's life. On the basis of genomic investigations, the vaginal microbiome has been classified into at least five community state types. Now we're talking about the vaginal community. These are called CSTs. Four CSTs are dominated by a lactobacillus lactic acid producing species. This can include Lactobacillus crispatus, L. gasseri, L. inaris, or L. jenseni. One type of CST called CST type 4 is characterized by low concentrations or an absence of lactobacilli. This results in high concentrations of obligate or facultative anaerobic flora. This CST is associated with both bacterial vaginosis and the condition called desquamative inflammatory vaginitis. 
the presence of hydrogen peroxide producing lactobacilli is associated with reduced levels of vaginal pro-inflammatory cytokines. Of course, the vagina should have a decent amount of lactobacilli for good vaginal health. Low pH in the vagina due to lactobacilli may be an evolutionary select trait to defend against sexually transmitted and other infections since a low pH environment markedly inhibits bacterial growth. However, when that environment of lactobacilli is disrupted, these vaginal pathogenic conditions set up shop. Desquamative inflammatory vaginitis is a newly recognized clinical syndrome that is getting new attention. Now, when we say a new condition, it's actually getting new attention because it was actually first introduced in 1965 by Gray and Barnes. This clinical syndrome is characterized by persistent purulent vaginal discharge and vaginal erythema, often with submucosal cervical vaginal petechiae. Inflammation is the cardinal feature of this disorder, so that's your clinical pearl. This also has been called idiopathic inflammatory vaginitis. Now, Doddlers and colleagues have recently reviewed this literature of inflammatory vaginitis and have renamed it aerobic vaginitis. So all of these terms mean the same thing in the literature. So desquamative inflammatory vaginitis or aerobic vaginitis or idiopathic inflammatory vaginitis is now thought to be the same condition based on different authors' terminology. This is a condition that is caused by abnormal vaginal microbiome genetically defined as CST type 4 that we just talked about a little while ago. The published literature on desquamative inflammatory vaginitis is still surprisingly limited. However, more and more reports are being added to the database of literature almost monthly. This mostly consists, however, of retrospective case reports and short reviews. All right, when we come back, let's take a look not just at the epidemiology of this, but its cause, symptoms, and of course, treatment. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Regarding the epidemiology, it's hard to find a true prevalence because there's not one set diagnostic criteria. Now, we'll get into the diagnosis in just a minute, but remember that there's no real consensus as to how to make the diagnosis for this condition. But some rates have reported it to be as low as 2% to as high as 20% in patients who present with what's considered recurrent bacterial vaginosis. Lack of diagnostic precision is compounded by the fact that the existence of this condition has not been accepted universally by clinicians. But again, this is changing. So here's what most consider to be the case. Highly symptomatic, desquamative inflammatory vaginitis seems to be relatively rare as a severe presentation. However, the less symptomatic form of vaginal dysbiosis characterized by reduced number of lactobacilli 
increased numbers of facultative bacteria and PMNs on wet smear is more common. So, although the traditional highly inflammatory desquamative version of this condition seems to be less likely, we may be missing the more common subclinical type of inflammatory vaginitis, especially in cases where we consider patients having BV failure. We'll touch on that in just a moment. The exact cause of desquamative inflammatory vaginitis is unknown, but appears to be a dysbiosis of the normal vaginal microbiome associated with inflammation. In desquamative inflammatory vaginitis, the vagina is colonized with facultative bacteria, not the obligate anaerobic bacteria that is usually found in bacterial vaginosis. The microflora in desquamative inflammatory vaginitis typically consists of E. coli, Staph aureus, group B strep, or Enterococcus fecalis. Now that raises the question, is vaginal culture indicated? Well, it's actually not recommended. We'll get into that in the diagnostic portion coming up, but it's interesting because if it's E. coli, group B strep, enterococci, or even staph, you would think that the recommendation would call for vaginal culture, but it doesn't. The vaginal microbiome associated with desquamative inflammatory vaginitis is less well understood than with BV, but once again, this data is coming fast. Clinical manifestations of desquamative inflammatory vaginitis includes purulent vaginal discharge and a strong inflammatory reaction. The vaginal discharge is homogeneous and yellowish, but there is no fishy or amine odor. Vulvar irritation and vaginal mucosal erythema with potentially some ecchymotic or petechiae lesions can be present. The vulvar area can also have some erosions in the more severe presentations. Now here's a clinical pearl. Symptoms may last for a long time and can fluctuate, suggesting a chronic or recurrent natural history without treatment. That's why it may be something to consider in patients who keep coming back with, quote, BB failure, but you don't find enough clue cells on wet prep, or the affirm BB3 test is actually not suggestive of BV. In that case, you should consider desquamative inflammatory vaginitis. Moving on to diagnosis. Microscopic examination of wet mount preparations of vaginal secretions is recommended. This reveals an increase in inflammatory cells and parabasal epithelial cells. Now here's the big clinical pearl. We can't go straight to this diagnosis or this consideration because this can actually also be considered a diagnosis of exclusion. In other words, we have to make sure that gonorrhea, chlamydia, and perhaps even mycoplasma, which was a separate podcast, are not the offending agents. The point-of-care wet prep in this condition is based on the presence of an increased number of leukocytes and parabasal epithelial cells, but limited clue cells. So if you suspect BV, but that's not what you find on the wet prep, or once again, the Affirm card is negative, then you should consider looking for desquamative inflammatory vaginitis, especially with an increased number of PMNs after gonorrhea, chlamydia have been excluded. 
microscopic exam of wet mount preps is the preferred diagnostic method for this condition since gram staining of vaginal flora cannot discriminate between bacterial vaginosis or desquamative inflammatory vaginitis. And once again, yet another clinical pearl for diagnosis. The use of routine vaginal cultures is actually not recommended. Once again, vaginal cultures are not recommended because this diagnosis can be made clinically without culture. Well team, this brings us to treatment. Treatment options have not been properly tested in randomized clinical trials. However, there is consensus guidelines and published data about the best way to treat this desquamative inflammatory vaginitis condition. Metronidazone, however, is not effective in desquamative inflammatory vaginitis. Once again, metronidazole will not work. And treatment failure with flagyl or metronidazole in women with BV may suggest desquamative inflammatory vaginitis as already discussed. Clindamycin is active against the broad spectrum of facultative bacteria linked to desquamative inflammatory vaginitis. And it also has an anti-inflammatory effect. So again, yet another clinical pearl. If you suspect this condition clinically, clindamycin should be the go-to medication. In clinical practice, topical clindamycin, often used as prolonged maintenance therapy, seems to be effective treatment against this condition. Maintenance therapy, once weekly, is commonly used to reduce the risk of recurrence or flare-ups. This topical application can be with 2% clindamycin cream with or without 10% hydrocortisone. Desquamative inflammatory vaginitis. Just when you think you've learned everything, here we get a new condition. Actually, it's a new slash old concept. We've covered a condition of the vaginal microbiome that may be overlooked, just like mycoplasma genitalium may be overlooked. And again, we covered that a couple of days ago in a separate podcast. We hope this has brought new attention to this condition because it's all about making the best clinical decision to make our patients feel better. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode and we'll see you next time on Clinical Pearls.